Welcome to the Primate Talk podcast. Here we have nuanced interactions with interesting folks undertaking unconventional endeavors and see the world through eyes that are not just our own. In the latest episode of the Primate Talk podcast, I sit down with one of the most intriguing people I've had the chance to meet. Everybody, here's a conversation with Virginia Thrasho. Virginia, also known as Ginny Thrasho, is a professional athlete in the rifle shooting sports and the winner of 2016 Rio Olympics in 10-meter Olympic air rifle shooting. Hailing from the United States, Ginny was born in the state of New York and grew up in Virginia. She graduated from the West Virginia University with a summa cum laude in biomedical engineering. Before shooting, she wanted to be a figure skater. Quickly realizing that she lacked the knack for the scene, she switched to the shooting sports in 2011 after a memorable hunting trip with her grandpa. Her professional career in the shooting sports is nothing short of impressive. Even more intriguing is her quick ascension to the, being the world number one athlete in shooting sports and her journey to the Olympics. As for her achievements, Thrasher's gold medal came during the first time she had competed in the Olympics, beating two Chinese athletes who were also previous Olympic gold medalists. Ginny owns more than 20 USA Shooting and National Rifle Association records, was named the top performer at the 2015 NCAA Championships after leading West Virginia University to the team title and winning individual titles in small board and air rifle. Thrasha now resides in Colorado Springs where she is training as a professional athlete. She loves to compete, travel and do public speaking across the country. What struck me as remarkable about knowing Ginny through this conversation was her honesty, awareness and clarity in thought. This really reflects the inner work one has done over the years. Competing in high pressure professional environments takes a lot of in- inner engineering or so to speak. It's easier to regress into our primitive states with bobby pins holding ourselves. But through real groundwork and a great support system, we can actually achieve remarkable states of being. Her achievements aside, knowing Ginny was a wonderful experience. One of the things that struck me even more powerfully was her having developed multiple dimensions to herself. Instead of developing a single track mind, Ginny has evolved herself holistically. Apart from being great at shooting, she also gives talks has her instagram channel where she gives shooting tips and is doing a remarkable job in making the sport more approachable to folks out there she also has a patreon account through which she seeks to bridge the gap between affordable coaching and aspiring shooting athletes lastly what i was personally moved by is her friendly and heartwarming disposition i had so much fun just listening to her talk here is presenting to you this podcast so that you know what i'm talking about Sasha we're live. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I am beyond excited today. It's 8 a.m. in the morning and my morning coffee has just begun to kick in. There's this cocktail of neurochemicals that are impacting this excitement, one of them being dopamine for sure, because you know, at the early stages of the podcast to have someone as mega as you is something that I didn't even expect when I was uh, starting out. So, and the, and the fact that both of us share the same sport I'm more inclined towards understanding uh, your journey. So it gives me immense pleasure to have you on the show. And I can't wait to unpack your journey, man, and see all that you have in store for us. 
Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And it's one of the things I love to do is to give back, to talk on podcasts like that. But also, as you know, our sport is smaller. It's more yeah. niche. Not a lot of people know about right. it. Even every four years when it's on TV at the Olympics, even then it's it's kind of overshadowed. So I really like to go and explain my sport in different venues where people can uh, understand. And, you know, maybe there's some some kid out there thinking, wow, I just, I'm not good at sports. Cause that's what I thought growing up. I was like, I don't like sports, any of them until I found shooting. And so, you know, maybe someone's listening to this and is going to be like, oh my gosh, this sounds like a sport I want to try, you know? Yes. And no one in the shooting world does it better than you. I think, you know, you are the one who is making it so approachable, who's making the sport so approachable, who's understandable and not boring. Uh, because a lot of people <laughs> t- tend to think that shooting is so boring. Okay, you're just, uh, shoot, you're just watching someone shoot a, t- a, you know, a, a 10 meter uh, distant target. Uh, now that doesn't sound interesting to me. They are more interested in things that have like adrenaline rush. Everyone's running everywhere. Everyone's yes. hitting. And when you see a sport like that, where people are not competing against anyone, they're competing against themselves. And there are so many, so many things in their minds at that time is, is something that, yeah, I think you do a good job making it so approachable and, you know, uh, Thank you. interesting to the masses. Jenny. Yeah, <laughs> I think shooting is a sport of delayed gratification, oh, yeah. right? Yes. A lot of sports and even like even shotgun, for instance, you know, you shoot and a target explodes. <laughs> When you're doing rifle or pistol shooting, it's, it's not like that, you know, it's, it's a, a quiet marathon maybe. And that doesn't mean it's less of a sport. I would say it's even more of a sport because it's so mental, you know, but I like to, especially through my social media, I like to really have fun with it and yeah. kind of represent the best sides of the sport. And I do a lot of like TikTok trends and yes. videos. And <laughs> yeah. they're, they're kind of fun to film, but I have to tell you when I'm in the range and sometimes when I'm filming, you know, I try to do it when everyone's left and I'm alone, <laughs> but sometimes I have to film and there's other people there. And oh my goodness, they just laugh at me all the time. They're just laughing at me. And I'm like, I promise the final video is going to be good. Yeah, they're fun but to me- watch too. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but me doing 50 takes of them uh, is what nobody sees behind right. the scenes. Yes. Uh, okay, so Ginny, we're going to get into all of that. Uh, I'll start with your early life, uh, yeah. starting right from the beginning. And I'd like to pull an anecdote from your childhood when you were 11. It's pretty uh, you know, prevalent on the internet as well. Yeah. But this was something that was struck by, and that is you went hunting with your grandpa and your brothers, and someone just casually asked you to pull the trigger, and you actually went ahead with it. and which everyone was surprised by now I try to tie this moment with you being an Olympic champion Mm -hmm. and one point that stands out clearly to me is detachment now right at that moment you being an 11 year old girl with an impressionable mind instead of getting emotionally swayed by the situation which young girls would usually do you felt this adrenaline rush after you fired the shot so I want to get into the mindset of that of that particular shot that one that took place then yeah. when you were 11 years old one that would come to decide your life so pulling the trigger and feeling that adrenaline rush came naturally to you so I want to look yes. at some things that might have influenced it uh, so my father was right. in the military in the uh-huh. air force mm-hmm. and so we moved around all the time and with my family you know and 
he, you know, when you're in the military, you have to do your, your pistol and your rifle shooting tests, qualifications every once Uh in a while. So, you know, he, he had occasionally taken me and my brothers out shooting, but really hunting with grandpa was like the big thing. Uh And I had two older brothers Mm -hmm. and they went hunting with grandpa and my dad Mm -hmm. went hunting with grandpa and I wanted to be like my older brothers. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of my, you know, I think I was, yeah, maybe I was 12 or 13. I don't even remember anymore, but you know, I was 12 and, and asking my grandpa, like, I want to go hunting with you. And I thought he was going to say no. Mm. I thought he was going to say, no, that's for boys. (laughs) He was so happy. Uh He was so happy. He said, of course I'll take you hunting because I was just the first grandchild that was a girl that Mm -hmm. had asked. And Uh I just, I wanted to go because my brothers went, you Mm -hmm. know? So I remember getting out there and hunting is boring. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's four in the morning. It is cold. You are sitting there and you're just waiting for a deer to walk by. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, why does anybody do this? (laughs) This is miserable. And then a deer walked by. And, you know, I remember my, my dad was next to me and he whispered in my ear, like, you know, do you see it? Yes. And he said, okay, take aim, pull the trigger. And so I took aim and pulled the, you know, it, it was very, there was no like dilemma in my mind. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. just simply like, this is the next step. Like, this is what I came here to do, which I think was kind of a similar situation to me in the Rio Olympics. And mm-hmm. I had made the final. Mm-hmm. And when I had made the final, I was 19. Mm-hmm. The average age of the women in the final was 31. Um, okay. I didn't I know that the, statistic. <laughs> <laughs> I was the youngest by far. Mm-hmm. And there were two Olympic champions from the two cycles before in the final and all of these things. But at that time, I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. All I knew was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to make the final and then I'm supposed to go win it, you know? And I remember just being very confident in finals. I think uh, finals are kind of a strong point for right. me. And so I just remember shooting and probably, you know, a few shots in taking the lead. And it was just like, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. Just do the next thing, just load the next shot, you know, and not even having any sort of emotional turmoil or anything. It was just, you know, I can remember very vividly the last shot Mm -hmm. because I knew mathematically if I shot a 10, I would win. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter what you know, how deep of a 10, it didn't matter what anyone else shot. All I had to do was shoot a 10. Yeah. And that's the ultimate mental game, right? Like it's only you, only your actions matter. And I just remember thinking to myself, just shoot a 10. Yes. It's that simple. Just shoot a 10. And I did. And I, I can remember just the, the intense emotions that came after that shot was fired, Mm. you know, overwhelming joy relief even Mm -hmm. you know there's uh, just a complex mixture of emotions in that Mm -hmm. moment Mm -hmm. yes and actually uh, this is one of the videos I was watching on the internet where I think somewhere you mentioned that our team is not focused on the outcome at all Uh, we are just heavily process oriented team process oriented team 
And I was like, yeah, this, this makes so much sense because every time you focus too much on the outcome, every time you try to, it just messes up things for you. I have seen that in my own matches that I've played until now. I have seen that in training and I've seen that with other people as well and it makes so much sense. So when your mindset over here, just, you know, where you are like, I don't, I don't really, you know, I am just here to shoot. And, you know, you, how you get your mind, get your mind to have such tunnel vision at that particular point of time is something that, you know, that's commendable because that doesn't come easy to people. And to think no, that it all and, started at, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It doesn't come easy to me either. Uh-huh. And I think that's a common misconception is like, oh, you can do that so well. You're so good at it. It must just be so natural. And I'm different. No, like I have to work every single day to try to put the process above the outcome Mm and its priority, right? And there are some days I don't do well at it. There are Mm -hmm. some matches Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. I'm too outcome focused and I get in my own head and I mess myself up, right? Mm -hmm. So it's even, even now I've been shooting for 10 years and it's a constant battle and but it's so important, right? Because when we put the outcome first, the problem is if all we're thinking about is outcome, there's no roadmap, mm-hmm. right? If you're on a trip, like you're driving from DC to Nebraska, let's say, and you're driving there and all you can think about is Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. How do you get there? How do you achieve that? You don't just magically teleport there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the process is the roadmap. What roads am I going to take? Where am I going to stop at night to sleep? Where am I going to eat? How fast am I going to drive? How is my foot going to go on the gas pedal? Right. If you think about and commit yourself to those things, next thing you know, you'll be at your destination. Right. Uh, that, that, is, that is interesting to note. But what I, what I was actually trying to get into is that at that particular moment when you were an 11-year-old, it, it just came instead of, you know, shuddering at the trigger and, you know, uh, you know, just sweating your entire body out. It's just like, uh, you told me to, to shoot, I'm going to shoot. And you did. And now it's like, I know that this doesn't happen because obviously when you start uh, shooting, when you start playing, then a lot of things come in your mind. The first time I made a shot, the first time you made a shot, you know, in the range, you were like, damn, I didn't know I could shoot a 10 in my first uh-huh. try. But then that is the time when you're not, you know, you're not uh, bothered about the matches. You're not bothered about competitions. You're not bothered about anything else. So, you know, at that time, it's easier for you. But not like like you rightly mentioned, when all those things come, when all those, you know, when the stakes are high, that's when, you know, it's very hard to maintain that mindset, which is a really interesting point that you brought up. And I I think when we're children, when we're kids, there's no fear right? Yes. There's no fear of failure. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I'm going to take a shot. If I miss whatever, like there's no consequences. And that's a good thing. That curiosity, that lack of fear for the most part is a good thing because you can explore and you can view things as a learning opportunity. And I definitely have seen teammates and friends and even myself sometimes go through this transition where it's like, this is my job. This is mm-hmm. my livelihood. If I don't shoot and win, then what am I doing with my entire life? And you're putting so much on the line with mm-hmm. each shot. But when you're a kid, it's not like that, right? It's just a shot. Exactly. And I think that that detachment, like you said, um, I think we 
all of us adults could use yes. with a little more of that. <laughs> yes. Acquired fear. Yes. Acquired fear is uh, most of the fear in our lives. And acquired fear is only when, you know, the society conditions you to fear something. But in children, that's missing. So that, that's a great point for them if you start out early. Uh, okay, so next is uh, I want to get into the quick ascension to, uh, to being a, an Olympic gold winner. Mm -hmm. So I want to start my next question with a quote by your West Virginia rifle coach, John Hammond. And I quote, okay. what she achieved as a freshman in college is as good as anyone in the last 10 years or more. The thing she's achieved just this year, it's not very often that someone achieves that. Usually it's someone who has international experience and has been shooting for a long time, not a college freshman. And the internet is rife with such verdicts in your victory, but I want to go a level further by asking you, and this kind of ties back to the earlier point, how it was actually like. We see people for the outcomes they deliver, but not so much the process. And I want you, uh, you know, it'd be great if you can discuss about what the process was like for you before the Olympics, uh, you know, the struggle. Uh, uh, because growth is messy at best, and you know yeah. it's never a linear curve, a linear or a straight line. It's yeah. it's a it's a curve. So how was your growth curve like? Yeah, to be honest, I did improve very fast, and mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like that. But mm -hmm. you know, it's it's up and down. But there was mm -hmm. a huge level of improvement, and I think I can really credit that to two things. Um, right. Number one was I just. I'm kind of like a sponge. And especially when I was in high school and college, it's like, I just wanted to soak in everything, just learn as much as possible about shooting. And I always kind of viewed it like that. Obviously I was also, and still am very competitive, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to win. I wanted to learn, but mm -hmm. I wanted to win too. So I would say that kind of, you know, just desire to, to learn everything, to compete, to win was really, really strong. And one of kind of my like fundamental personality traits. And, you know, the second thing I would attribute that growth to is my support system, right? Mm -hmm. Like you cannot do it alone. You're on the podium alone mm -hmm. and you're pulling the trigger alone, but truly you can't do it alone. So people like John, who had that quote, my family, my parents, of course, I've had so many great coaches in my life and they have done such a good job at kind of like nurturing the best parts of my personality right. and kind of, you know, softening out the rough edges a little <laughs> bit um, as they continue to do. Right. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, I don't want to say unexpected because I knew what I was capable of, but to be honest, I never thought about the Olympics. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people who go to the Olympics, you know, they're like, this has been my dream since I was two years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wasn't me. Um, I actually was figure skating before I found shooting. Yeah. And I wanted to go to the Winter Olympics in figure skating. Mm -hmm. And one day I realized I'm not very good at figure skating. And I was never going to make it to the Olympics. <laughs> and that was kind of the last moment I really thought about the Olympics until the year I went. Mm -hmm. And it was always you know, I, I don't want to say I didn't have goals because I had so many goals, but it was always like, why limit myself with goals? You know, why limit myself with let's get on a college shooting team, a university shooting team when like we could go there and then we could be the champion and then we could be the best on the team and we could break these records. Like mm -hmm. why limit myself? Let's mm -hmm. just find out what we're capable of. 
Right. And that was really kind of the theme of my freshman year was like, let's find out what we're capable of. And every match, it was like, oh, we're capable of more than we thought, you know? And I would say after the Olympics was actually when the majority of my challenges came because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to win mm-hmm. necessarily. I knew I was capable of it, but I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. it. And I wasn't expecting how much impact it would have on my life. And you talk about like now all of a sudden worrying about those extra things and the expectations and all of those things. And it was like, you know, between being an engineering student and still shooting full time and going through kind of the emotional roller coaster that is after the Olympics, which is a very natural emotional roller coaster but I had no idea at 19. Mm. I had no idea that that was something everyone was going through. Right. Mm. Um, so, you know, that was when a lot of my challenges came, um, and looking back, you know, now we're kind of five years removed from that. I am thankful. I went through that time, although Mm. it was not fun to go through in the moment, but Mm. I feel now like I am a more robust shooter, young Mm. Jenny, you know, 19 year old Jenny going to the Olympics. It was one of those things where she felt she could tackle anything and she's very competitive, but there were a lot of things that have to go right. You know, nobody just makes the Olympics without a little bit of luck Mm. and good timing. Right. So I feel like now I'm kind of more in control of a lot of those things. So it's just, it's interesting to reflect back 10 years, you know, that's how long my shooting career has been so far knowing that it'll be, you know, I'm not at the end of my career. I'm kind of in the middle of my career. And I think that's um, such a blessing that shooters have that longevity, right? Because most athletes, you know, at my age would be in other sports would be like reflecting at the end of their career. And it's, it's kind of cool to, to just kind of pause now that we're kind of at the end of a new quad, the beginning of a new quad, right. just to yeah. pause and look back and, and, you know, Ginny, when she was 14 or 13 and went hunting to Ginny at 19 on the Olympic podium to Ginny at 24, sitting here talking to you today, you know, <laughs> no, that, that is, so that leads me to my next uh, question about, you know, life as an Olympic athlete, even so you discuss post Olympic uh, Olympics. Uh, I wanted to discuss a little bit about pre Olympics because right, uh, right at this stage, there are so many people, thousands of people who are training for Olympics. They have a thing in their yeah. mind that they want to do, do that. And some of them are just mulling over it that, okay, I'm good at the sport. Should I go ahead with it? And, you know, so there's all these things to discuss about. There's all these things to know about it. So if you can discuss how one's life changes when you commit yourself to that level of training, be it your diet, your workout regimens, or even your personal relationships for that matter. Did you feel you had to give up some things while you were committed to the sport? Anything, anything that changed from, you know, Ginny's normal life to Ginny's, you know, this (laughs) advanced life. Yes. Of course. I mean, of course there's sacrifices Mm. I put sacrifices in quotes because at the end of the day it's a choice right it's not a sacrifice I chose to pursue a big goal a very big goal and at the end of the day I had to give up some of the the little things and some big things that Mm. that kind of maybe would have made me happy in the moment Mm -hmm. but that that was a choice I made I can remember not going to my senior prom 
Um, okay. This is kind of a funny story, actually. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a boyfriend senior mm-hmm. year and this is high school. So I'm like mm-hmm. 18 mm-hmm. and I qualify for my first international competition and it's mm-hmm. to go to Munich to the World Cup. Uh-huh. And I am so excited. I get the call, you're going, you know, and, and I'm just over the moon. And this is a huge dream of mine, my first international competition. And so I call my boyfriend at the time and I say, you know, I'm going to Munich. I'm going to the world cup. And he goes, great. When is it? I said, oh, it's the weekend of prom. He goes, what? It's the weekend of prom? But like, you can't go with me then. You didn't even ask if I was okay with this. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think we're going to work out actually <laughs> because you can't be with people, mm-hmm. you know, friends, boyfriends, even family who don't support, support the journey, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard and they're they're hard to find sometimes because it is all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I spend my evenings doing podcasts Mm -hmm. and growing the sport instead of spending time with my family. Mm -hmm. I spend my days at the range instead of at a job where maybe I would be making more money, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there are sacrifices. Um, I travel a lot, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I love to travel. I love Mm -hmm. to be here talking to you. I love Mm -hmm. to go to the range and practice every day Mm -hmm. and it's worth it to me. It's worth it to me to pursue those dreams and those big goals And I don't, I don't think everybody has to do their passion, right? And if your passion's shooting, great. If it's something else, great. But I don't think everyone has to do it at this level, right? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay for it to just be your passion. It's okay Mm. for you to be a weekend warrior. Right. But you have to pick one, Mm -hmm. right? You can't be the weekend warrior who's like, yeah, one day I'm going to the Olympics. No, you're not. People who go to the Olympics don't just train on the weekends, you know, but that's okay if that's not your goal, but your goal and your effort have to match up. And even if you don't achieve that goal, the effort still has to Mm -hmm. be there and to even have the smallest chance, you know? Yes. Makes complete sense because uh, only a year ago, even I thought, or maybe two years ago, I was like, damn, I'm going to train for the Olympics and everything. And <laughs> I was giving up, giving up parties. I was not going to attending parties with my friends. I was giving up yeah. everything for that. And I later realized that I like it. I don't want to pursue it to that level because I can't give up all these things for that. I mean, it's it's great. And passion for one sport is great. And if you brought up that way and you know all, all of those things, if your factors align well, Maybe you train for it. You have a good team. You have a good uh, coach. Everything in my life, the factors didn't seem to align at all. And I was like, okay. And I have a job, and all of my factors mm-hmm. were like, okay. Um, I think you know, it's I'm I'm just gonna lead a very miserable life if I if I start right now, and you know I, I'm gonna have to give up on all these things. So I made a choice, like you said, it made total yeah. sense. I made a choice that okay, maybe not maybe not to that level, but I'm still going to continue it. So, you know, sometimes and I, that's, yeah. And that's perfectly okay. Right. Yes, that's and perfectly I, okay. Yes. I feel like there's um, a lot of very successful athletes out there promoting, you know, mm-hmm. grind, work harder, do the, yes. Yes. But, 
but no, right? Like it's okay to do a sport as a high schooler and not do it in college. Right. Yeah. It's, it's important okay. to make that distinction. Yes. Yeah. It's okay to, but if you're going to go all in, then you got to go all oh, in, right? Yes. Like I, I didn't get here by training two days a week. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if you're going to go all in, then you have to go all in, but you have to realize that whether or not the end goal, the outcome is achieved, mm -hmm. whether that's making a college team, winning your, you know, regional championships, you know, going to the Olympics and winning gold, you know, regardless of what it is, the effort, if you decide to go down that path and put in the effort, the effort is worth it. Yes. No matter what the outcome is. Because some people can stop you from achieving mm -hmm. that outcome. What yeah. if I went to the Olympics? I had the best day of my entire life and somebody beat me mm -hmm. and I got silver. Am I going to go home and cry about that because I didn't achieve my goal? No. no. Like I, I couldn't control that at the end of the day. Right. So, you know, Jenny, interesting points, a lot of interesting points that you bring up. Uh, but now that you decide to go all in, obviously, there are so many things that you have to work on, right? And you do that with a sound friendship or, you know, a, a, with, with your or network with your, uh, you know, your coaches, you have your psychologist, you have your psychiatrist and all of those taking care of you, right? Yeah. You have to have a sound relationship with those people. Mm -hmm. Relationship was not the word that was coming. Uh, yeah, you have to have a sound relationship and then, you know, your family has to be supportive and, you know, your friends, everything has to be there, right? Um, so at the end of the day, not at the end of the day, but mostly what, you know, stands out to me is, you know, developing a sound mindset sounds mindset because technique can be taken care of uh, we all can agree that one shoot one shooting performance is very much a function of a sound technique technique and a fortress like mindset now you already discussed that in your ted talk on developing you know a growth mm -hmm. mindset i'm not going to ask you to reiterate it but <laughs> i am interested in knowing about how you apply that while going through your training you know yeah. uh, so how do you bring yourself from so for example if you have had a, lot, a, a streak of bad days because that can happen too sometimes you have a streak of bad days I used to have a lot of yeah. streak of bad days how do you recuperate from that how do you bring back you bring yourself back or even while you're in a match everything's going good everything starts out well but in the middle somewhere it starts going wrong how do you manage that so that you do not you know actually the game is under your control and towards the end you can actually drive it towards a positive outcome yeah. right all of those things could you get how how does Ginny does yeah. do that so I'm like the self-proclaimed queen of the <laughs> mental game because right. I believe it's so important right you have your positions right like how far apart your feet are how your gun fits you you have your technique how you approach the target how you squeeze the trigger and you have your mindset and the thing is most people spend the majority of their time on positions and technique Mm -hmm. because they're really tangible, right? Mm -hmm. I move yes. my foot here, I see my scores go up and down. Right. But most people don't spend enough time on mindset because it's hard to quantify, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, journaled every single day this week. My scores didn't get better. What the mm -hmm. heck, mm -hmm. right? But that's where you see the long-term gain, especially because a lot of other people don't do it. And at the end of the day, when you get in that position, 
when you're at the Olympics and it's the top 10 in the world, everyone has awesome positions. Yes. Everyone has awesome technique. It's a mental game at that it's point, mental. purely. So yes, you have to spend a lot of hours in the range doing the positional work, doing the technical work, getting rounds down range, but the mental skills are really important. So I believe mindset is, I believe the mental game, let me correct that, is kind of two things. One is your belief system right? This is the growth mindset. This is what you believe about yourself, about what you're capable of. This is optimism. This is the, oh, I suck at shooting small board, but I'm really good at air rifle. That's a belief, not a very good belief, Mm -hmm. but that's a belief. So all of those deep belief system things, and those have to be taken care of before the match, right? right? And that's hard. That takes a lot of introspection, self-reflection, and work to work Mm -hmm. on those. This, the other part is your mental skills, right? Mm -hmm. This is, you know, using your keywords. This is taking a second to recognize that my mind has drifted in the middle of the match. Now I'm going to bring it back to this shot. This is shooting a bad shot in the match and then refocusing before the next shot, rather than just throwing one downrange. So the mental skills have to be done like the day of, right? They're in real time. The thing is, if you don't practice those day in and day out, you have no chance of doing them on match day, right? Yes. You can't just do that on match day. Whatever yeah. you do in practice, that's what you're going to do on match day. So those mental skills need a lot of work, but also that belief system needs a lot of work. And you probably can't be successful without doing both, mm-hmm. right? Teaching yourself breathing exercises, for instance, is super helpful in the moment, right? right? Like you're in a final, your heart's pounding, breathing exercises. But at the end of the day, you haven't set up the belief system of like, nerves are a good thing. It's okay that I'm nervous. Yes. Unless you've set up a belief system like that, the breathing's not really going to (laughs) work. Yes. So yes, to answer in a very you know, roundabout way to answer your original question. I try to work on both the belief systems and I do that work outside of the range and the mental skills. And that work is done, you know, during practice, before practice, after practice, you know, but every day it's a daily, you know, maybe I'm reading two chapters of a book to try to work on my belief systems and I'm doing journaling to work on that. And I'm talking to my sports psychologist. And the mental skills is me at practice and me putting myself in situations I'm uncomfortable with, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like most of us practice easy. Yeah. We need to practice hard and compete easy, (laughs) Compete easy, yes. Exactly. So most of us, you know, oh, I'm going to go shoot a 60 shot match at practice. Why? What's that (laughs) getting you, right? No, seriously, like if you're going to shoot a 60 shot match at practice every day, you are not building, you know, the, the, it's like Legos, right? You're, you're trying to just put the whole ship together when really you need to build piece by piece yeah. and then the whole ship will come together. So, you know, people ask me things like, well, you know, how often do you do a practice match? It's like occasionally, mm-hmm. but not every day. And then they'll be like, well, what's your highest score at a practice match? It's like, I don't know. And I don't, care because that's not gonna help me you know 
me shooting 654s at a practice match isn't going to necessarily go over to me shooting in a real match. Me doing drills, you know, playing really loud music, having my coach distract me, you know, having my coach come up and tell me that something's illegal, like a range officer would do, and then having to refocus, having to breathe, having to dry fire, use my keywords, and then be able to shoot a good 10 on the next shot. That's helping me, you know? Yes, yes, because when you're just practicing for a 60-shot match or any sort of match, you're just taking care of one factor. Okay, I've got to get good at this. I've got to get good at shooting. But we are not taking care of everything else because a range is a messy place. And especially, you know, if you if you look at lower lower level matches, not as high as an elite as Olympics, but then you know, lower level matches, state levels or your regional levels, they are messy. People are just walking around and they, you know, <laughs> there's so much there. And then like, wait, I'm not used to this. I'm used to a quiet range when when no one actually visits us. I'm used to my own, you know, my quiet, my calm there in that range. But then our, you know, when your trainers or you do not focus more on, you know, uh, focusing on those factors that could happen in a match, all those things that could happen in a match, all those things that could go wrong. You, yes. that's not a comprehensive way to train. That's not, that's not, that, that's not holistic at all. And I yes, you set yes. yourself for so many surprises during the match. I'm like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I train for so many things, but this thing happened. And, and, and then you start blaming the external factors when you should have been practicing them or you should have, you know, accounted for them uh, and practice them in the, in your training, during your training. So like you said, train hard, compete easy. And that, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah. And you'll, you'll never be able to prepare for everything, yeah. right? No, but doing the thinking about what, you know, what if this happened, what would I do? How would I act? Okay. Now let's practice it. You know, even just doing that in some scenarios that are common mm-hmm. is going to make you more prepared for scenarios that are maybe uncommon. Right. Yeah. Um, So if you practice, oh, I got stuck in traffic and I'm running late and I have half my normal setup time. Right. So if you were to practice that, well, then if the target breaks and you have to move lanes, you're going to be more prepared for that, even though maybe you've never directly practiced that exact. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and I think that's one of the, you know, with COVID. I don't think anybody expected a global pandemic and the Olympics to be postponed a year. And that was one of those things that I actually thought I was very adaptable with because it was like, I don't know what's going to go wrong, but something's going to go wrong and I'm going to be ready. And then when that came out, it was like, okay, my training has changed how I have to train, you know, whether I can train all my matches are canceled. All right. Big picture, you know, prioritize all these things. And, and that's the, the life skills that transfer out of shooting into the real world. And that's why we do sports, right? To win and to learn. And learning is part of, you know, transferring those skills into a future job, into school, into your family and personal relationships. That is that is very interesting to know. Actually, this is this is a very insightful discussion, Jenny. I I didn't expect that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not just a pretty face. <laughs> no, no, it's not about you being a pretty face. I knew because I I just thought that you know in in the time that we had, we couldn't actually unpack this much. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely you're you know 
you understand the questions well because of that you're able to answer them in such a lot in a lot of depth and i'm really thankful to you for that because this is setting up a very clear image and this is going to set up a clear image in you know people's mind and uh, you know they're not going to take up take up anything heads up being uh, uh, being like oh yeah this is easy oh yeah this is too <laughs> tough they're going to go in with a very neutral and a very sound or a holistic uh, yeah. you know insight about this so uh next is okay so you also graduated in biomedical engineering right yes and i did <laughs> that's so interesting because uh, i was uh, the other day i think i was telling someone oh i'm going to have a junior thrasher on my show and uh, they were they actually knew a little bit about you so they were like biomedical oh. engineer she did biomedical engineering tell me ask her how she was able to sustain both of these being an olympic <laughs> champion and also graduating in biomedical engineering you know that is a common question i get <laughs> yes. actually <laughs> right but you know i i i don't doubt your uh, talent at all jenny i know that people can do that i know you if you know uh, i mean see it's not about how she does it you it, it's about um i don't know how to put it but you know it's she, human beings can do it it's not that no one can do it and it's really hard i'm just saying that what i am interested in knowing is the cross learning between uh you know biomedical engineering and shooting so i was deeply impressed when i found out that you have a degree in biomedical engineering uh and there was this I I want to know about this common thread that ties both of these disciplines for you. You know, what you yeah. learn there is there some cross learning between these two? 100%. Right. Yeah. Uh to answer kind of the the first question mm-hmm. about like how did you do both? You know, that's a question I get often and and like you said, it's not impossible. People yeah, can not- do it. I had, you know, one of my best friends in college was an athlete and in biomedical engineering not in shooting but school didn't come very natural to her uh-huh. but she through pure effort and grit was able to get through both of them and do them very successfully right and so it's it's not a question of like oh well you know jenny you didn't have to study so it's fine no, anyone can do it you know but it takes a lot of prioritization i would mm-hmm. say not even time management because what is time management other mm-hmm. than prioritization That's right true. you know how many saturday football games was i at not very many right how many friday night parties was i at not very many right i was you know doing what i needed to do to achieve those two long term goals and i think um you know something definitely slipped i i know i didn't get my car's oil changed for a while cuz it was like i just don't have an hour to go do that you know or it's like calling my dad like can you come change my oil <laughs> but you, you know there's um there is the opportunity to kind of learn how to be present mm-hmm. right i'm in class i'm fully in class i'm not thinking about shooting i'm in class I'm at the range. I'm not thinking about my test tomorrow. I'm not thinking about my homework. I am fully in the range. And even if I can only be in the range for 2 hours when I would rather be in 4 hours, I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah, and I just really feel like anyone can do it. It just takes a lot of prioritization. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I really prioritized when I was in college that I think most college students didn't was sleep. 
And it was a situation where if I had homework to do, I was going to leave it and get my eight hours of sleep. Otherwise, if I did my homework and stayed up all night, then I would be totally useless in class. Mm -hmm. I would never, you know, get any work done. I wouldn't get any work done at the range. And now I'm falling behind. Mm -hmm. And for me, that wasn't something that, that I could do. So, um, you know, having priorities, but yeah, definitely not easy as to answer your question about kind of like the cross and the connections between biomedical and, uh, shooting. I found there were so many, honestly, and I Yeah. I feel like they are both, um, you know, personality wise, they both kind of fit my personality and there's a lot of, you know, detail oriented type A things, but it's also kind of a, a set boundary, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're in school, you are learning things in your set boundary. And then by the time I got to my senior year, all of a sudden it was like, okay, we're going to do projects that you know, require you to think outside of the box, you mm-hmm. to create things. And I think that was one of the times I really got into that in shooting as well. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now, you know, I'm creating this new type of suture in one of my classes and I'm creating a brand new type of kneeling role in the range. And I just felt oh. like that creative energy really transferred and also learning about the human body, right? Because mm-hmm. with biomedical engineering, you take a lot of math, a lot of calculus, yes. a lot of sciences, right? Chemistry, physics, biology, but you also take a lot of like anatomy, psychology, things like that. And it was really fun for me to learn about how blood moves through the body right. and then to connect that to my own experiences for shooting. Like, when I'm nervous, this is how my blood moves differently. Mm. And then I would go learn about statistics in school. And it's like, oh, can I run all of the statistics on my match scores for the year? I wonder what this tells me, you know, or even in physics, I can remember this was in high school, but Mm. I can remember learning about like center of mass Mm -hmm. and how if you add weight to one side, depending how far out it is. And so I'm in high school learning this. It's like, that's what I do with my gun when I add, you know, weights to different parts of it. And I remember going home and like taking a tape measure and Mm. measuring my gun. And like, I wonder if I can just figure out the center of mass of it without doing, you know, and it was one of those like, um, really cool cross connections for me, but I really thoroughly enjoyed both of them, which is Mm. what I think made school fun. Obviously being in school, being a full-time athlete, was not easy and it wasn't fun all the time, but there were a lot of really great moments. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, this, uh, this is really interesting. Why? Because, because of, you know, with the help of cross learning, I think human, human beings evolve better because you're not restricted to one discipline. And like you rightly mentioned, like you, you had your own experiences with both these fields, you would return home and be like, okay, how can I apply this to my sport? And that, um, I mean, needless to say, that might have helped to improve a lot of things on, you know, uh, front, uh, on shooting's front as well, which is, uh, I'm always interested in cross-learning, you know, how people cross-learn, how they actually mix, mix ingredients together, how they do it. And not a lot of people sure. are like that. Not a lot of people work like that because they're just, they're just uh, you know, there's this saying called jack of all trades, master of none. 
but <laughs> it's better than master of one i i mean i i feel like that makes total sense so uh quickly uh, moving to uh, your future aspirations jenny uh and now that you've yeah. already you know have the apex achievement one could achieve in their sport how has your perspective towards the sport changed uh what do you see next i i can feel i i can feel that now you've begun to give back to the sport in terms of making it more palatable to mm-hmm. folks who don't know about it and i know you also have a patreon account wherein you've begun coaching people and techniques yeah. and processes that play a vital role for a good shooting performance likewise discuss on broad in broader terms if you may uh jinny's game plan what is, what do you see next <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, I will keep shooting as long as I love it and as long as I still feel like I'm improving. Mm. And that's one of the things that people don't always know because mm. sometimes the outcomes don't tell the story or they're only looking at very specific outcomes. Yeah. But I truly feel like I'm a better athlete than I was 5 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know some might argue well you didn't make the Tokyo Olympic team you were the alternate hmm. yeah i tried my hardest and i did not make it and that is just sometimes how the cookie crumbles right mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work out sometimes it does and i don't think that takes away anything from your effort your capability yeah. things like that so i do feel like i'm improving and i'm enjoying the sport so i will keep shooting as long as i find it to be that way. So I suspect at least through Paris 3 more years. And then I truly could see myself going through LA um 2028 mm-hmm. um and just really kind of keep on doing this and and having it be the priority in my life. But yes, I as I as I grow as I age, you know, now I'm 24, so very old. Just kidding. But um I I do start to think about how can I get back? You know, how can I make an effect on other people and i think i will look back on my medals fondly right but i just have a feeling more people are going to remember me for my social media and for replying to them when they message me and for things like that than for all my medals yes right yes they're truly only meaningful to you exactly um, So yeah, I want to be a, a positive influence for lack of a better term and and that takes many different forms, so one of which is my social media, growing the sport, trying to represent um another one is doing appearances and speaking engagements, things like that. Um maybe one day I'll write a book, that would be amazing. And yes, my latest venture is my Patreon. So I have mm. videos on there that can help shooters of all levels, right? Mm. There's beginner, intermediate and advanced level videos and I think that's a really cool and unique thing to bring to the shooting community because right now the shooting community you can either learn by a textbook yes. that's 20 years old maybe yes. or a private coach and private coaches are very expensive, very expensive. and yeah. and there's just not that many of them around to be mm, honest. Mm. And so I was kind of thinking what's the happy medium? How can I reach a lot of people without actually retiring and becoming a coach, right? Cuz I'm not ready to do that if I ever end up, you know, becoming yeah. a coach. Um but yeah, and the Patreon videos are kind of what I came up with and and hopefully people subscribe and and get a lot of value out of them. So I could see myself doing this for the next 3 to 7 years and then after that I truly don't know, but I'll tell you 
I'm not worried, right? I just want to do something I'm pat. Well, I just want to do something I'm passionate about. Mm. And I don't think Jenny at 24 can assume what Jenny at 31 is going to be passionate about. Uh So we'll figure it out when we get there. No, it's, it's, it's wonderful. The way you put it is really, uh, inspiring actually because it it, it, it kind of prompts people to look at the bigger picture while also you know going knee deep into something and working at it developing yourself and not losing sight of the broader picture and I, I think that there's no one who put it puts it better than you especially at our age <laughs> you know you're just 24 and not a lot of people expect 24 year year olds to be this smart you know <laughs> they're just like okay <laughs> they might be sloshed somewhere you know drunk out of their heads uh doing wild <laughs> things they have this picture of 24 years year olds like that but then there's also a 24 year old who's giving such precious words of you know uh who's spewing such precious <laughs> precious words of wisdom for people out there in actually being a role player in everyone's life, in people's life, whoever she touches, right? So, uh, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. This conversation has to be the best, you know, uh, up oh. until now. And uh, so, Jenny, I know everyone's journey is different, but I also believe that there are certain pillars that help us maintain a structure. So when you're dealing with uncertainty and the push comes to shove, that structure actually helps you cushion the blow. So, you know, what are those pillars in your life? And, you know, if, if not, then could you get into what you recommend? Okay, you know, your journey would be different. You know, you, if you talk to me, like, I don't think your journey is different, but there are certain things that are constant for everyone, those foundations. So what do you think yeah. uh, those are, you know? Uh, and what advice would you give to people for that matter? Yeah, yeah, I would say, you know, there, there's, I actually do kind of have pillars that I believe in. And I don't know if they're completely constant since the day I was born, mm-hmm. the pillars are the same. But right now, one of the pillars I have is learning, right? Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about the kind of that like childlike curiosity and not being afraid to fail and just learning as much as possible. And even though I'm, you know, very deep into my shooting career mm-hmm. and I'm doing it at a very high level, I still feel like I learn so many new things and just that brings me a lot of joy and passion and solving the challenges that come up. Um, and then another one for me would be novelty, right? Mm-hmm. I like doing things that are new. I like being challenged. And it's funny, I think, to put the word novelty next to a sport that is as monotonous <laughs> as shooting is. But I, I truly strive every day to, to try to find the novelty, to find the fun in shooting, right? There is no reason you can't be really, really good at your sport and have fun doing it, mm-hmm. right? Not every moment's going to be fun, but, you know, really enjoying the traveling, enjoying the people I meet, enjoying, you know, the minutia of being on SCAT. And if our listeners don't know, SCAT's like a laser SCAT, yes. system that tells uh-huh. you a lot of information about your shooting, like enjoying just, you know, really diving into that um, and, and finding the novelty. Um, so those are two of, of the few pillars that they kind of drive me right now. And I would say you asked if I had any advice. So I would say find your passion. And I know it sounds a little cliche, but if you 
you know, if there's not something in your life that keeps you up at night because you are so excited about it, you haven't found it yet. And that's okay. Keep searching, right? I didn't find my passion until 14. And in some ways, that's very, very young. And in yes. other ways, that's very, very old. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, your passion will change and you have to experiment and you have to find it. And once you find it, it doesn't really matter how good at it you are. Mm. And it doesn't really matter what your goals in it are. That is something that is going to, to make every day kind of like worth, worth doing to the fullest. Right. And I, I do think it changes. I, I know that one day shooting in this capacity may not be my passion anymore. And that's okay. I will search until I have found my new one and I won't stop until I find it no matter how long it takes. So if you're 14 or 44 or 84 listening to this and you don't think you found your passion, I'm here to tell you it's okay and keep searching. <laughs> Yes, yes. And then this actually, you know, uh, leads people to think that your life is not is shouldn't be defined by one track. You know, if at later stages of your life somewhere you find out that, hey, this is not working for me, you should be able to, you know, pick up something else because there are so many interesting things in this world, mm -hmm. so many things, but we limit our view just because of one thing that we get attached to. And, you know, this brings yeah. me back to the whole detachment point, you know, it, it's reflecting in your personality that, you know, <laughs> you do not attach yourself to one thing specifically. You, you mentioned that, you know, down the line somewhere, if I find out that this is not working for me, I am going to still search for something else you know and I'm gonna search for you know probably if uh, search for making it more interesting or something else completely so and I'd attach you're not letting it define your life it's not you're not letting it define Virginia Thrasher you know Virginia Thrasher yes. is a bigger person than just shooting or just one particular thing and and it applies for every one of uh, every one of us you know sometimes some things take the bandwidth in our life like it's inevitable but then that doesn't mean that they are life itself. Life is so much more than that. And I think you put that point really eloquently. And uh, yeah, I, I think you drive home the point. <laughs> so the, good job. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so Jenny, any any personal hobbies apart from shooting or any any anything else that you enjoy uh, when you're not thinking of shooting and you're like, okay, yeah, uh, could be anything. <laughs> so... I still like to figure skate. So I do ah. get to go do that. Not as much as I, as I want to maybe, but I still do love to figure skate. I find it to be um, freeing, you know, mm. just being on the ice, wind in your hair, you know, it's freeing. <laughs> um, I also like to read a lot. So I do a lot of reading and, you know, you were talking earlier about like that cross learning. Mm. And I feel like that's something I definitely do. And people are like, well, what genre do you read? It's like, mm -hmm. I'll read anything, you know, I want to read something that's good, you know, right. um, and I live in Colorado, so mm. there's big mountains there, so I'm going to go skiing a lot this winter, which I'm very excited for, and I also have two pets, they're budgies, little parakeets, yes. like this big, so. So yes, that is kind of what I do when I'm not shooting or thinking about shooting. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting, very interesting, so 
Okay, Ginny, I'd like to conclude the show here, uh, you know, being respectful of your timing as well. I wanted to get into, uh, you know, shooting as a sport itself. Uh, but before that, I wanted to touch upon your life and, you know, then drill down. So I yeah. hope you, uh, you know, uh, allow me to do it sometime in the future again, you know, so that we can discuss the nitty gritties <laughs> of this. Uh, but this conversation yes. in itself was really insightful. And thanks for doing this. You kept me waiting, but I, it was worth it. You, it was worth it. I mean, <laughs> I know I reached out to you in somewhere in June, July, uh, end of uh, June. And it was so kind, you know, I was not expecting because usually people don't even look at your DMs, you know. And I was, first of all, I was really excited yeah. that you responded. <laughs> and then you set a timeline, which was, you know, something where you got into something specific, like, okay, uh, I'm going to be spending time with my family. So can you get back to me in September? And I was like, yes, this, this person really means it. And right at that moment, I had this confidence that you, she is going to come back. She is not going to say no to this. So yeah. yes, I, um, well, definitely. I, <laughs> please as- go ahead. As someone who's on social media and I do, you know, collaborations and stuff like that, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be, get people to, to pull their attention away from, from their own life. And yeah. I try to be, to be respectful and reply to everyone. Obviously I can't say yes to every opportunity, everyone, but yeah. I am so glad that I said yes to this one and, and got to come on. So. This was definitely, thank you me. so much. And uh, yes, um, I would like to have you uh, sometime, uh, you know, sometime in the future, whenever you're comfortable, uh, we can discuss about a lot <laughs> of things. I, I, now I've, it's, it's like, I know that we can discuss a lot of things in greater detail, but I think, you know, for starters, sure. it's, it's, it's great. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much <laughs> for doing this, Jenny. Uh, any, yes, any parting of words? And for any of your friends, Yes. yes, for any of your followers who hopefully enjoyed this podcast and want more of Ginny in their life, you yes. can follow me on any social media. Everywhere. Literally anything. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you, YouTube. I have an email newsletter, anything you want. And it's at Ginny Thrasher. Yes. So Ginny so is omnipresent on the web. Uh, go check her out, everyone. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Ginny.